one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line for you as we launch into our number one of the program. That's 1 800 259 9231. It's Ian here with you. Ben Wayne and Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Uh, on the way here, we'll find out what happens when you look to the government to keep you safe. You know, from nuclear weapons and big scary things like that. Uh, but first, we're going to the phones, the amplifier line, and Brad in New Hampshire. Brad, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, hey, Ian, Wayne, and Mark. What's up, guys? Hey. hey. Just another day in paradise. What's on your mind, Brad? Yes, sir. Well, actually, uh, two things. Uh, I just went with my girlfriend to uh, Murphy's Tap Room in uh, in Manchester, uh, an establishment owned by Keith, uh, one one of the free staters. Yes. And I just had a remarkable dinner there, and I would encourage anyone uh, to to go there and, and try it out. The food there is. If you're in New Hampshire, that there's no better reason to. Uh, oh, gonna have to put you on hold there for a moment. I'm having some trouble with your line, and I'm not sure what that is. But if you're in New Hampshire, Murphy's Tap Room is a uh, fine excuse to go and spend some money with a free stater-owned business. If you people don't stop, I'm gonna send them a bill. Who, Murphy? Yes. From the tap room? Yes. What do you mean? This, this, this is a for-profit radio show here. You keep on uh, dropping this guy's uh, name. Uh, we haven't kept on dropping his name. It was very nice. We I, went there and had a very, I had a very nice hamburger. It was very good. I, I have to agree. Anyway, uh, let's go back to uh, Brad. Let's see if we uh, got a clearer line here at this point. Brad, you're back. Oh, that's much better. Yes. So go so, ahead. What was on your mind tonight? So, so anyway, uh, as my girlfriend and I were, were driving there, I, we were listening to your show from last night, uh, speaking of jury nullification. Mm. And uh, I personally, I'm a supporter of the concept um, because I believe very much that, um, you know, the spirit of the law and, um, you know, it, it is sort of the last great check we have on uh, on the government. Um, and uh, is the line breaking out again? I don't know. Is, are you on a uh, landline? Nope, nope, on a cell phone. Okay, that's probably something on my end, then, and I apologize for that. Oh, nope. I want to put you back on hold till I figure out what the hell that problem is, because that's a new one. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I hope it's not us. Jury nullification. We want to talk about that. Well, that's okay, because I actually had something in regards to jury nullification, an email to talk about here shortly, uh, and we will get to that. Um, we'll go. We'll go ahead and try Brad back here in a little bit. But just to fill you in on the latest news here, this is one of the big stories of the day. Normally we don't hit the big stories of the day, but this one I thought was worth it. Uh, the nuke story. Mm-hmm. Did you hear I've about got, this? Yeah, I've got it on a different. I, I didn't tell you about it, but I, I do have the same story. Nuclear bombs mistakenly flown over the United States. Oopsie! Oh, wait. <laughs> Apparently those silly guys in Washington D.C. they. According to the AP, a B-52 bomber was mistakenly armed with six, not just one, but six nuclear warheads and flown for more than three hours across several states last week. Probably. Each one of those warheads has a uh, yield of five to 150 kilotons. Oh, well, boss, we forgot. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> one kiloton sounds bad enough. Yes. But, uh, anyway, who's well, counting? I, I imagine that the reason they have this rule is, well, every once in a while, planes go down. Yeah. And if the plane went down with some nuclear weapons, six of them, on its wings, you'd have some radiation problems. And there's this, you know, one in a million chance, or maybe one in a billion, I don't know what the chances are, that it could actually explode. Uh, and, and then you've got a Hiroshima kind of situation going, and that's not good. The uh, incident was so serious that President Bush and the defense secretary were quickly informed, and he asked for daily briefings, and, that's, uh, and then he said that, uh, one of them said, there was no, at no time was the public in danger. Okay. 
Well, well, yeah, you guys tell the truth so often. Oh, I surely believe you on this one. I'm not sure that I, I think that the public was in terrible danger. You know, every day you walk outside, you have a better chance of getting hit by a bus than this plane going down and it's um, all six of its uh, nuclear weapons blowing up. Well, anyway, I just figured that it was important to point that out because people seem to think that one of the responsibilities of government is to keep them safe. Uh, a lot of the – even the small government people think that it's a government's responsibility to right. protect us. One of, the, one of the things that's said about the Second Amendment is, well, you know, it, it, to some extent it's subjective. We wouldn't want everyone having nuclear weapons, would we? With the implication being that if everyone had nuclear weapons um, – the you know, not everyone, but the people that could afford them – they there would be mistakes and accidents would happen. People would get hurt. Well, look, yeah, the government has them and they're making mistakes. Yeah, the impl- the means- implication is that the government can handle uh, big scary weapons, but you little people can't. Uh, and it's clear that the government can't handle these things. They're very slipshod. They uh, you know they make mistakes just like anybody else does. And the problem is when a government makes a mistake, they uh, you and I pay the price. They never have to pay the price. The bureaucrats who decided, okay, yeah, so they fired a bureaucrat in this case. Whoopie-doo. But in most cases, when a government bureaucrat does something wrong, he's usually just given a little slap on the hand, maybe a transfer to a different department, everything's sort of brushed under the rug, and maybe the government might pay out a little bit of cash to uh, the harmed families to sort of make the problem go away, but even that hardly ever happens. And there's nothing you can do. The government bureaucrats have what they call sovereign immunity, where they can pretty much do whatever they want and cause whatever damage that they negligently cause and really face no consequences. Right. And Certainly you, not the consequences we would face for doing the same thing. And when you face no consequences, or um, in this case you don't pay, face any personal consequences, the guy who put the uh, nuclear weapons on, he got fired, but he doesn't have to um, shell out of his pocket. That's the worst case scenario is he loses yeah. his job. When um, and and mostly government bureaucrats have no consequences at all. They right. get a little paid vacation and then they're back on duty or in many cases, been reprimanded or something like that. But when you don't have consequences, it causes a person to act, uh, you know, irresponsibly, carelessly. Th- sure. They don't have anything to lose. In many cases, uh, we've seen stories where government bureaucrats will be fired for a good reason. In many cases, and then later on, they'll sue. To get their job back, because when you're a government bureaucrat, it's different from being a regular worker, where the business owner is in control of whether or not you get to work. Uh, in this case, with government bureaucracy, you apparently have a right to your government job once you've, once you've worked there for a certain amount of time. Mm. And uh, that means you have a right to take the government to court and try to get your job back. And the government, in many cases, does allow the reinstatement of these fired government employees, in many cases with the extra slap to the face for the taxpayers, of giving them retroactive pay. That's happened. You, you think I'm BSing you, I'm sure. But this is for real. Anyway, let's go back to uh, Brad. He dialed in on the regular call-in line, so hopefully we'll have a clear line this time. Brad in New Hampshire was beginning to tell us a little something about jury nullification. Oh, that's much better now. Indeed, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, we were listening to your show from uh, from last night, and um, as we were sitting there, Murphy's eating dinner. This uh, this thing came on the news, uh, speaking about how there was, I believe, a 17 year old out west. Um, he got caught having a Swiss Army knife in his car um, on school property, and he has since been arrested for a felony. And I believe the uh, the jury nullification uh, concept is very important when laws are. Are, are applied in a disproportionate, uh, you know, something's disproportionate to the crime. 
to, to what happened. I mean, right. A felony, a bringing a, accidentally bringing a Swiss Army knife to school or even on purpose is not commensurate with a felony. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know that gentleman who was charged, I believe he was 17 years old, and, and he engaged in um, – he engaged in sexual activity with, I believe, a 15-year-old, and, and he got sentenced to a, 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 a extreme amount of time in prison. And yeah, I 10 years. In Georgia. Yep. yep. And, and it's just, and it's it's a far cry from what that deserves, um, what the conduct deserves. And, and I believe the jury nullification um, concept is important in cases like that, where the government overreaches and and um, uses its weight too much. Exactly. It, it, it's one of the ways to keep the government in line. It's the fourth check and balance on the government, the, the fourth arm, the fourth branch, if you will, that uh, has been completely forgotten about. The judges and the prosecutors, they will get very upset if someone even dares mention jury nullification in the courtroom. Well, you, you'll be thrown off a jury a lot of times if you mention it, because in a lot of states it's not legal. Um, and, and if you bring it up in jury deliberations, and if a judge finds out about it, you can be removed in an alternate um, used to replace you. Yep. It's sick. Um, also, I, I heard you guys mention sovereign immunity. Um, there's something that's called qualified immunity, and I've never heard uh, you speak of it on your show. It's actually a doctrine that, that was created by the, by the Supreme Court. Where I want I, you to tell me more about it. Hang on, Brad, in New Hampshire. We'll come back with more with you. I don't know if we can reveal who Brad is. I'll have to ask him if we can. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Because he's got some expertise, as you might be able to tell. We'll come back with more of him and your calls as well. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by heading over to Shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents, like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL, like Free Talk Live. That's code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. As we go back to Brad in New Hampshire, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, Brad, uh, you just touched on the concept of sovereign immunity, and you said you wanted to tell us something about a different term, and what was that other uh, term? Uh, the term is qualified immunity. Qualified immunity. Now, the reason you know so much is because you are involved in the criminal justice profession, so you do have a bit of uh, real-life experience here. What What is qualified immunity? Qualified immunity, essentially, it's a doctrine um, that was created by the Supreme Court back in 1982. The case was called Harlow versus Fitz- Fitzgerald. What it does is it shields government employees from actions um, insofar, um, and I'm actually reading this right from Wikipedia, that it does not violate clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. So as an example, um, you got a call, I believe it was last week, by a gentleman who um, had an alarm uh, go off in his neighborhood, and the police um, came into his house erroneously. Hmm. Um, I I believe the gentleman, uh, he was going to move to New Hampshire, but he got hurt, so he's uh, taking some time off. Okay, Um, right. Although, yes. although, the, although the police went into the wrong house, and technically that would be a, a violation of his rights, um, 
you cannot sue them because of the qualified immunity doctrine because they were acting reasonably. Uh, reasonably. So if, uh, even if your rights are violated, there are a lot of times where you, you uh, simply can't sue for a violation of your federal constitutional rights um, if, if the police are acting pursuant um, to their discretionary, um, their discretionary job function. Um, right, whereas yeah. anybody else who would break and enter into your home would be in big trouble. Right. Well, I mean, it, the the doctrine is is to uh, is to prevent. I mean, because if it wasn't for this, essentially, um, police departments couldn't do their job. I mean, there, there would be a slew of lawsuits that that would make it past summary judgment, and um, and there would be uh, juries hearing um, all these cases. Uh, of course, you, you can't sue the state um, because of the Eleventh Amendment, um, but you can sue individual state actors who, who act in violation of the federal constitution. So I just wanted to bring that up. I, I've never heard that mentioned on the show before. That's interesting. You can't sue the state, but the state brings all kinds of lawsuits. Uh, isn't that interesting? It works uh, one way, but it doesn't work the other way? Well, it's it certainly – I'm not an attorney, but um, I, I certainly find the whole area of law very interesting. And um, I would encourage uh, people to uh, to study about qualified immunity if, in fact, they, uh, you know, if they believe their rights have been violated. Brad, as always, thanks for the expertise and thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. Yeah, have a good night, guys. Yes, 800-259-9231. We certainly will. Since we're talking about jury nullification, I have a little story uh, from Frank. He emails in. And this actually isn't him. He's forwarding on an email from uh, somebody I think that he knows. He says, uh, I went to court today wearing my bright yellow T-shirt that says Fully Informed Jury Association on the back of it. I was there to defend myself against a speeding ticket, or as I like to call it, literal armed highway robbery. First of all, they said, oops, we made a mistake on the date. We don't have the jury ready, so you'll have to come back later. Even though the state prosecutor's records had shown I was supposed to appear that day for a jury trial. Well, you know, governments make make mistakes, so I guess that's understandable, right? Never mind that I had paid a $36 non-refundable filing fee just to obtain the jury trial. I guess in the country that stands where America used to be, one is guilty until proven innocent and subject to shifting mandates and Kafkaesque obfuscation. The state prosecutor asked the judge, Alan Torhost, for a continuance on my case, basically to have me come back later for my jury trial. I then asked the judge to dismiss the case, since the state wasn't ready. And the police officer that had issued me my speeding ticket hadn't bothered to show up. Of course, the judge didn't want to do this, because, well, that would be the moral thing to do. Never mind that the entire case was simple schoolyard bullying from the start. Never mind that I had taken a morning off of work to get to court. Never mind that I had wasted a tank of gas getting to court. The judge said, quote, Everybody makes mistakes. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, at least I could assure myself that Judge so Torhost... Was, was the judge going to uh, make sure that the, the state compensated him for all the time and uh, money and energy that he expended on uh, being there? Well, we'll see what they... Uh, they're going to make an offer to him here in a moment, and we'll see if you consider this uh, compensation. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> he says, well, at least I could assure myself that Judge Torhost wasn't going to operate as an authoritarian theocrat who assumes the state is always right. I poli- uh, politely pointed out the great cost to myself that the proceedings, the first pretrial meeting, the filing fee for justice, and that day's blunder had cost me. The prosecutor then said... Quote, we offer Jacob the ability to plead guilty to a lesser charge of a broken speedometer, unquote. A charge that represents untruth as well as the carrot side of the equation. No penalty points against my driving record and thus no coercively jacked up insurance fees and a lesser fine. 
Quote, and he refused, although the state still has the offer open. So there you go, Mark. That's, that's their offer. They'll give him a lesser uh, charge as long as he pleads guilty, and then they'll make it It just seems wrong to uh, allow somebody to plead to a broken speedometer when, in fact, they don't have a broken speedometer. Hmm. There's no evidence for this. How is the state going to... How is the judge going to find somebody guilty, even if they plead to it, of having a broken speedometer? Well, no evidence will be presented, so therefore the judge doesn't have to have any qualms. Well, he knows it's not true. How do you know that? I don't know He that. hasn't inspected the speedometer, and no one has presented him with any evidence. There's been no evidence that, um, that, that he, there is a broken speedometer. All he speedometer. knows is that this guy's been charged with a broken speedometer. This is be presuming he took the deal, which he didn't. He's been charged with a broken speedometer and has pled guilty. There is no trial, and therefore no need for evidence. So it need not be the judge's concern at that point. He's not there for justice, Mark. He's there to collect some cash for the state. Right. Continuing the story. So, uh, so again, they offered him this deal. Uh, twice after that, they offered, continued to offer me the carrot, if I would only crawl to them on my belly, dishonestly admitting guilt. And here I thought the courtroom was a place where the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, was to be told. Unfortunately for them, I'm an American citizen. I'm not a peasant nor a serf, and I don't bow down to titles of nobility. You see, if I were to simply pay them the fine or to appear at a juryless bench trial, I would be admitting unearned guilt. I would be paying them to establish a racket that threatens people with great punishments if they refuse to pay lesser punishments, a.k.a. protection money. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that I'm not likely to win a jury trial against our out-of-control and blatantly unconstitutional court system, but I sure won't be part of the reason that it flies further and further outside of the legal standards that were so uh, were won so hard by the levelers, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, and the other founding fathers. That refusal to cave in meant I was shortly to see the stick side of the carrot and stick equation. You see, I am an informed citizen. I know that the judge has no legal authority to command the jury, even though they regularly do so. We'll talk more about this and finish his story in moments. 800-259-9231. He, uh, he knows the jury represents the fourth branch of government. And we'll talk a little more about that. Take your calls about whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. What happens when you wear a fully informed jury association t-shirt into a courtroom? We know judges don't like this sort of thing. (laughs) We'll find out what happens. This is Free Talk Live. George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com. It's the place to go. The features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Go and grab them up on us. That's freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. Your only choice for more personal freedom, smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Speaking of the Free State Project, we're, I'm going to have to remember to get to this, but uh, this is, by the way, our first year anniversary in New Hampshire. And I think that we is should it? have a little retrospective, but we'll hold off on that. Okay. Because uh, we're talking about jury nullification at this point, and uh, we're telling a story from a gentleman who emailed 
where he was talking about how when he went into court one day to fight his speeding ticket that he had arranged a jury trial for, and then uh, he came into court wearing a fully informed jury association yellow, bright yellow t-shirt. Yeah, go get him. And I just think that's brilliant. And so he came in, and they just so happened to decide that, well... We have to inform you that we made a mistake and that they don't have the jury ready, so we'll just have to reschedule this whole trial thing. And mm. So he tried to get the judge to throw the case out, and the judge uh, refused to do that. And the prosecutor said, look, we tried to give the opportunity to plea down to a, a charge of a broken speedometer, which, of course, he didn't actually have a broken speedometer, but that we all know what the point of the system is, the point of the justice system today is to move as many people through sort of like cattle like sheep move them through the system get them to plea out so they don't actually take anything to trial so they don't actually you the government doesn't actually have to prove anything that it claims that's what the system's all about is is moving you in extracting money from you and moving you along with your life he didn't want to do that he wanted the trial like he's been promised by the u.s constitution and this guy knows his rights he says i am an informed citizen i know the judge has no legal authority to command the jury even though they regularly do so i know the jury represents the fourth branch of government and is the only true legal check on rampant government power since the jury aren't paid agents of the state as the judge the prosecutors and the police are it was my fully informed jury association t-shirt that informed them of my views After I'd refused their two additional offers of a reduced sentence if I would only sell them my human dignity for a mildly less terrible punishment, the prosecutor called my shirt to the judge's attention. He said something close to these words, quote, Your Honor, I'd like to call your attention to Jacob's shirt. There, by the way, happened to be no court reporter present, as such thuggery is best done far away from disinfecting sunlight. After a query from the judge, the prosecutor told me to turn around and show the judge the back of my shirt. I did so. The judge asked me to read what the shirt said. I read it to him. The shirt says in three-inch high letters, Fully Informed Juror, and under that, Fully Informed Jury Association. The judge then threw a temper tantrum and threatened me with a contempt of court citation, which he said carried a $1,000 fine and prison. (laughs) Oh, you all right there, buddy? I know, it's shocking. Contempt of court just shocked the uh, Coca-Cola right through his nose there. Oh, anyway, man, I hate when that happens. A, uh, he threatened me with a contempt of court citation, which he said carried a $1,000 fine and, a pr- and prison time. The audacity. A T-shirt that, says t- that tells the truth about the common law relationship between judges and juries? Why would that make any honorable judge angry? It certainly wasn't half as evil as his repeated appeals to brute force and the might-makes-right argument implicit in the contempt of court threats. I asked the judge if I could ask him a question, and then asked... Are there defendants who wear T-shirts to court who are not sentenced with contempt of court? He said, There are defendants in criminal cases. You're a blah-blah-blah mumbo-jumbo jargon designed to confuse civil case. Since you're your own counsel, we expect you to uphold the decorum of the court. Yeah, right. This court of lies and bullying needs to uphold its high standards of royal decorum. I guess what the judge was say- if what the judge was saying was true, it meant the only reason the two kids wearing Metallica t-shirts didn't need to worry was that they had paid one of the judge's friends to represent them, and hence had no chance of a plea to nullify any bad laws they were possibly being victimized by. It's not that my t-shirt happened to have the truth on it. No, that's not it at all. 
After all, why would the judge be afraid of letting the jury know that they actually have more power than he does and can, in fact, ignore his commands to, quote, interpret the law as he gives it to them, unquote. We've come a long way since Alexander Hamilton acquitted John Peter Zenger of the charges of slandering King George's royal governor in 1733. He used a jury nullification argument to do so, an argument that the typical power-lusting judge in any of today's American courtrooms will stop at nothing to suppress, obfuscate, and shout down with threats of brute force. My battle might be uphill, but I think it's a good thing that there are people like their like myself out there online at org, that's the Fully Informed Jury Association, who have the conviction to stand up for the principles our country was founded on. So I uh, don't know what the rest of that story is because the story ends there, but I do have the guy's email address, so I could probably follow up with him on that. Nonetheless, very interesting development in the world of jury nullification and something that you should consider for yourself, especially if you're going to be on a jury. And Wayne, he said in this, uh, in his, in his email here, that he has more power than the judge. And during the break, you handed me a neat little booklet that uh, that actually made that same claim. When someone, when he says that, do you know what that means? Well, it means that the jury has the power to rule on both the fairness of the uh, validity of the law as well as the facts in the case. Which the judge doesn't have the ability to do that. I guess not, right. So even though somebody may have violated a law, let's say, and it was clear they did, the jury can say, well, that law is unconstitutional, that law is unfair, unjust, and, and they can acquit for that reason. Exactly. And the judges do anything they can to prevent the jurors from coming across that information. Right. They absolutely do not want you to have that information. They have no problem with stooping to threats of violence, as they did in this particular case. You're going to go to a jail cell if you keep wearing that shirt in my courtroom. Well, look, I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear, and you're either going to let me defend myself or not. I mean, how's this? are you going to let me defend myself or not, right? Apparently not. Hmm. You know, I I just imagine a, a judge listening to the show right now and fuming that we, we we're talking even, about that this? we would even tell anybody well, this we because this used to be how it was in uh, in America right. up until oh, like the 30s, 40s, 50s thereabouts. It was fairly well known. And yeah. now they will they, they'll say anything against it. That's right. They don't teach it in the schools either. And you know, a, a lot of the judges who might be listening also might be really angry if we told them a little secret about not wearing trousers under the ro- robe too. <laughs> That's a way not to be nervous when you go in court. Just remember that the judge is not wearing trousers under his robe. How many of them do that? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm sure some do. Make an interesting study. Yeah. Uh, So they do like to threaten people. I don't know if they actually ever go through. I don't know if they've ever followed through on their threats to slap somebody with a contempt of court fine or citation. I've certainly heard of it being threatened before. The Fiji website even mentions that that's a very real possibility if you insist on continuing to bring up jury nullification in a courtroom. But I don't know if it's ever actually happened. So if you know of a story, we'd love to hear from that. Uh, hear from you at 800-259-9231. Uh, you can bring up whatever you want. In fact, here's a quick email from Nathan. He says, I was just watching Schindler's List, and I noticed how similar Nazi Germany and today's illegal immigration climate is. And he gives you a few comparisons here, which I find awfully illuminating. In Germany, only the useful Jews were considered worthy of being in Germany. Really? In America? Uh, yeah, in America, they, they only want people who are uh, supposedly educated, right. um, you know, have a certain level of education to come into the country. It's okay to bring them in. Apparently, it's okay to 
take Americans' jobs from educated people, but it's not okay to take take Americans' jobs away from uneducated people. In America, only the useful Mexicans are considered worthy of being in America. In uh, If Jews weren't useful, they weren't given their proper papers. If Mexicans aren't useful, they aren't given proper papers. In Germany, if Jews were in the country without proper papers, they were taken to concentration camps. In America, if Mexicans are in the country without proper papers... They're taken to jail. If Jews didn't want to go to the camps and they hid from the government, they were hunted down by special troops just for that purpose. If Mexicans don't want to go to jail and hide, then they're hunted down by special troops just for that purpose. We've read story after story of businesses being raided and uh, people being separated from their families over this whole immigration thing. He's got a couple more examples. We'll share those with you and take your calls about whatever you want to talk about. 800-259-9231. And then, since we're talking about immigration, we'll talk about what's happening to all those farm jobs. Guess where they're going now. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, we give them away. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier, as have done hundreds of our listeners for as little as 3 bucks a month. It's totally voluntary. So you can enjoy the website to your heart's content for free, and then when you decide you're ready... Sign up for AMP. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. You send in three bucks a month. We take it in and turn it around into uh, to advertising the show, to getting on more radio stations across the country. In fact, I got a. I, I don't think I can quite yet announce this because we have a new policy of not announcing until the station's actually on board with us. But there's a new weekday affiliate coming soon in Michigan. I'm and very excited. There aren't very many places left in Michigan for us to cover because we have a lot of uh, a lot of Michigan stations, believe it or not. Free talk so, live all over Michigan. This is one of the most populous areas of Michigan, and so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, also looking at a station in Texas that is sampling the show right now. I can't officially say anything to them yet either. So things are but going they're, well. they're airing the show. They are. But okay. it's a sample sort of thing. There's nothing signed yet. So until I get I that signature. I don't even know about this. Until I have that signature, I can't say anything. I really, but really don't like the idea that I don't know about this. All of this, uh, all of this is happening because of our Free Talk Live amplifiers. If it weren't for our amplifiers, we would not be as effective reaching out to radio stations and getting on more stations and spreading the message of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want to get some perks, like uh, the amp only call-in lines, which weren't working very very well earlier, but I think are working well now, uh, as well as the, uh, let's see, amp only forum, amp only chat room, all the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. All right, a couple more uh, interesting comparisons between the Jews in Nazi Germany and the Mexican illegals in America today. Just some interesting parallels here. Uh, Nathan emails in. He says, if the Jews didn't want to go to the camps and they hid from the special uh, troopers, then they, excuse me, they hid. They were hunted down by special troops just for that purpose. If Mexicans don't want to go to jail and they hide, they're hunted down by special troops just for that purpose. Here in America, we call them ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. In Germany, they were the Gestapo. And in America, what they're doing today is they're raiding businesses 
at a th- there's no notice. They just kick in the door just like they would in your house if they were looking for drugs. Except now they're looking for people, and they shake down the business. They hold everybody there. They ident- they try to identify them. If they can't identify them, they get arrested. And then they presumably get uh, thrown in a jail cell and end up being deported. So for now, they're not being locked into concentration camps. That's not happening quite yet. And maybe that won't ever happen. But nonetheless, the the uh, similarities here are shocking. If the Jews run from the troops, they were shot down as they ran. If Mexicans run from the troops, they're shot down, sometimes with rubber bullets, sometimes real ones. If people tried to help the Jews by hiding or hiring them, they were put in the camps too. If people try to help the Mexicans by hiding or hiring them, they are put in jail as well. Amazing corollary, isn't it? Asks Mm. Nathan. Thanks for the email, Nathan. We appreciate it. Some food for thought. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about immigration here tonight because the word is that because of all of this enforcement, because of the ICE people cracking down on business owners, that business owners have decided to take some drastic measures, meaning leave the country so we'll talk about that but first your calls let's go to scott in georgia scott you're on free talk live hello scott in georgia hello there hi this is scott walsh calling from bethlehem georgia congratulations scott Scott, what's on your mind well ian and mark i uh just wanted to take this opportunity on your show to announce that i'm officially running for mayor of this little city of bethlehem georgia that's great how many people live in uh, your little city oh not very many we have a population that's probably around 1,500, maybe 2,000 people. Now, what is it that defines a city versus a town? Because here where we live, there are 25,000 people, and I would say, and they call them, here, they call it the city of Keene in New Hampshire, and it seems like it just barely qualifies as a city. It has all the, the uh, you know, the accoutrements, the things that you need as far as the, you know, the Walmarts and the Home Depots and all the things that make life comfy. Um, so it's city-like, but it's also really, really small. I mean, a thousand people or two thousand people. How could that even be considered a city? Do you know why? Why they do that? Well, Bethlehem has been a city for about a hundred years. It was originally established hmm. uh, many, many years ago. Of course, there was a church involved, and um, you know we have city limits. We're within the county of Barrow County, and uh, now are you surrounded by towns, or do they call everything a city in Georgia? Well, there's a lot of small cities. You know, we have the city of Auburn, city of Winder, city of uh, Brazelton. Yeah, it must just Auburn. be some sort of uh, governmental designation. There's got to be some, maybe maybe the rules are different based on the state that you're in. And I know that they have this incorporation process. Cities and towns love to brag about when they were incorporated, which just means paperwork was filed somewhere. So anyway, that's that's just an aside. What's uh, What are going to be the, the main issues of your campaign for mayor? Well, I'm just mainly trying to spread the message of freedom, and also, uh, you know, somebody has to manage this little city, and I'm not really sure why, but I decided to step forward and throw my name into the ring. And Might, might I make a suggestion for your campaign? Oh, certainly. Head over to centerforsmallgovernment.com. That's, or maybe it's the, you know, it's centerforsmallgovernment.com, and look for the small government pledge. As a candidate for, for public office, you can take a pledge that essentially says, I mean, there's a, there's a much longer version, but the, the, the short version of it is that I will vote small government 
every issue, every time, no exceptions, no excuses. And you can sign that pledge as a candidate, and then you can use that as something to differentiate yourself from the competition. Brilliant. Because that's what we're doing here in Keene. We've got some people that are running for office here in Keene. I'm calling every single one of them and asking them to sign this pledge. And whoever signs the pledge will get promotion. We'll promote them on freekeen.com, for instance, and whoever's not going to sign the pledge will obviously be outed as somebody who's not willing to uh, to commit to smaller government. So by signing something like that, it really shows the voters, and I'm sure in, in Georgia there's plenty of small government-minded people there, uh, it'll really show the voters that you're somebody worth voting for, somebody worth turning out for, because that's one of the real tricks to running a local campaign is actually getting people to care and bother to show up and vote. So good luck, and let us know if you encounter any trouble or any interesting stories on your uh, campaign trail. And thanks for the call, Scott. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So it'll be interesting to see how many of the candidates uh, do actually want to sign this small government pledge. And the the pledge is actually pretty brilliant. I'll go ahead and read the the entire thing, because it really is pretty cool. It says, uh, I will actively and ambitiously initiate and support actions to make government small. Specifically, I promise, number one, to sponsor, advance, and vote for bills and legislation to shrink the size, power, spending, taxes, debt, and liability of today's big government. Boy, I sure like the sound of that one. Number two, I will introduce, support, and vote only for government's budgets, Government budgets that are smaller than this year's budget. Number three, I will vote against every government budget that spends the same amount or more than this year's budget, which means you have to get in there and actively work to reduce the size of of government. Number four, I will introduce and vote for legislation that repeals or reduces today's big government programs. Number five, I will vote against all new or expanded government programs, all tax increases, and any new debt. Number six, I will vote against any bill that I have not read and thought through. Number seven, no communication from me, my representatives, or my staff will contradict or violate the small government pledge for candidates. Number eight, I will endorse and support only candidates who take the small government pledge or whose promises and actions are consistent with the small government pledge. I will never support directly or indirectly a big government candidate, politician, or proposal. And finally, number nine, I will be accountable to voters. Upon request, I will make public every vote that I cast while in office. And, I mean, that's a brilliant, brilliant pledge. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's good. I like the first part, uh, you know, and after that it just gets better. Yeah, it, it really nails it down. It really makes it so they can't squirm, they can't break out of that. I mean, if they violate the pledge, then, well, they violated the pledge, and there's nothing you can really do about that. But they have pledged, and they have violated Right, except you can, you can tout that from the rooftops. You can say, oh, so-and-so signed this pledge, and now he's violated it. We're never going to support you again in the future. So, you know, people... Uh, I think this could really be a motivator for, for people that have been completely burned out on local politics, for people that think that all they ever have to choose to vote for is big government politician A versus big government politician B. And who wants to, who wants to waste their time driving to a polling location just to cast a vote for the lesser of two evils? Right. If you, you know, can even determine which one's the lesser. The burnout's a sad thing, and I'm really glad that Scott's running uh, for mayor in Bethlehem, Georgia. And I, you know, I hope that more libertarians step up and do that. I happen to know that, that Scott is, in fact, a libertarian. He's used that term mm-hmm. to describe himself. So good for you and everybody else out there. You know, this is what you've got to do. 
Again, their website is centerforsmallgovernment.com. They've got a great little newsletter that you can subscribe to as well. But what an easy way to really show the rest of the, the, the voters and the media that you are something different. Great way to differentiate yourself. Hour two's on the way. Immigration and, uh, let's see, lots of other stuff to talk about. You can take control and bring up anything. Carl in Montreal and your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls and uh, still have to talk about immigration, amongst other things. But first, let's go to Carl in Montreal. Carl, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Carl in Montreal. I like that analogy with the uh, with Nazi uh, Gestapo and the immigration service. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of scary similarities, that's for sure. What's on your mind tonight, Carl? Well, back in uh, 2000 when Bush was running, I made some analogies of Bush and uh, Hitler uh, because of his grandfather Prescott Bush's uh, ties to the Nazi regime. And I drew uh, Bush holding up an American flag instead of having 50 stars, it had 50 swastikas on it, and <laughs> telling people not to vote for Bush. And I got harassed by the Secret Service for passing those out Yikes. to George Bush in the Fourth Reich. Uh, now, didn't didn't Prescott Bush uh, wasn't he involved in financing something about the Nazis? Yes, yes, his bank was confiscated under the Trading with the Enemy Act. Wow. Yeah, and also invested in companies like IG Farben, and I think it was another company that also produced the gas or chemicals that the Nazis used in the concentration camps. Really? Yes. Yeah, That's where he got most of his money before he invested in oil and like Zapata Oil and these other companies. That's pretty shocking, Carl. Yeah. But I've been making these today, too, and uh, passing them around, and they don't like it very much, depicting Bush as a Nazi and with a, him holding a flag with 50 swastikas on it. Well, too bad for them. You know what? Freedom of speech still exists to some extent here in this country, and uh, you should still be able to exercise it as much as they might not like it. Thanks for the call, Carl. Appreciate All it, man. Right. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Will in Hawaii on the amplifier line. Hello, Will. Hey, how's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I had a couple uh, comments about some stories, and then I actually had a question well, about them directed to, to Tom in New Hampshire. Okay, um, let's do the comments, and then we just, this is total coincidence, but Tom in New Hampshire is on the line. I want to get your comments out okay. first, and then we'll bring him on here in a moment. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, um, the first was, um, I think last week you guys had discussed the story of a a new uh, junior police officer who had been ordered by one of his supervisors to tase uh, an infirm old guy, and he just flat-out refused the order and ended up being... He was fired. He was terminated. Right. He was suspended from the force for that. Right. Or, or forced to resign, whatever. And I'm just wondering, I mean, because basically he sounds like he's one of the good guys. I'm just wondering if Tom would think that he's also one of the cops that should be shot, like... All the other ones he seems to think should be shot. Oh, okay. I thought you had so, other points you wanted to get out first. Well, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Um, so, well, that's that's one point I wanted to make. And then another point was um, last Friday, um, you guys had talked about a few stories of 
people kind of, I guess, rising up against bureaucrats, you know, the story of the killdozer, and um, I guess a guy in New Hampshire who was having a bunch of problems with the local zoning board and ended up Draga. You know, take, taking out several of them. Yeah, Carl Draga. It's been Draga, quite some yeah. time. I believe it's 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and kind of commenting that as the police get more and more in, you know, insane and out of control, that these types of stories are going to be happening more and more often. Yes. And I, I think, I mean, some cops, you know, as, as these types of stories happen, I mean, the good ones might be, you know, whoa, maybe we aren't really doing the right thing. But I think for a lot of cops, it might just kind of galvanize them against people like that and like, oh, those people are bad. You know, yes, we it should, would. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we should, you know, even, you know, any cop that, you know, gets taken out in the line of fire, you know, with a hero and, you know, we should really take those people out because they're, you know, they're breaking the law. Right, which is why we always, I mean, when Tom calls in, we always point out that initiating violence on the state is only going to make them want to initiate more violence back on you. And, you know, violence uh, get, begets violence and so on and so forth. It's a nasty little process, and you are absolutely right. Um, yeah. they, they believe that they're doing the right thing and that uh, anybody that initiating is initiating uh, force on them is, uh, you know, is a criminal, and they will uh, crack heads. Yeah, and, I think- it's going to become more like a, a war situation where, you know, us versus them. And, you know, violence is really never the answer. I, I think right. education is really the only solution. I, I totally agree with that. All I was pointing out is that the more violent the police get, the more likely it is that the average person will not put up with it anymore and indeed become violent. I don't think right. that's the correct solution. I just believe that's the likely situation. Because yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and then, yeah, but then the cops will probably even get even more out of control because of that. They can only you can only back somebody into a corner so far before they decide to lash out at you. And I think that's it was more of a word of caution to the police than anything else. I don't want it to get there. I don't want that to happen. I don't want, you know, a martial law in the streets. I don't want the police to uh to be fearing every, you know, potential violence to come from any particular direction from any random citizen that's walking down the street. I don't want that situation uh where I live. Uh, yeah. But I just feel but, like if the police continue to increase the amount of violence they use on us, it's going to come back around to bite them. It seems like that's the type of situation that Tom wants to encourage, though. That does seem to be what Tom is encouraging. Up against policemen. And speaking of Tom in New Hampshire, let's bring him online here. Uh, Tom in New Hampshire, you're on with Will in Hawaii. Now, Will, can you just recap your question for Tom? Well, okay. Um, I guess my question was uh, kind of twofold, whether he thought the cop that had gotten... Uh, suspended from the force for refusing an order by a supervisor to tase an old man was whether he was is one of the cops that should be taken out like whether you think that and um well i guess go ahead and that's my first question okay well obviously the cop is still an enemy officer okay i mean <laughs> during, the, during the revolutionary war there weren't good red coats and bad red coats there were only, I mean, the redcoats. And during and if you're in the Battle of Bunker Hill, you ain't got time to, to worry about whether you happen to see that particular redcoat do anything to anybody. These are enemy combatants in time of combat. And, and uh, there's uh, certainly total I mean, justification in wasting... They're only enemies in the sense that they're, that they're being paid by... By force, basically extracting tax money by force. I mean, do you think that 
bureaucrats working as the you know the DMV or enemy combatants as well, or just the police oh, officers? No. They're not in the business of grabbing innocent people, handcuffing them, forcing them into patrol cars against their will, and well, delivering them like, to the It doesn't sound like jail. this cop was that kind of cop either, though. Well, they don't, are. Don't all... you think you should handle each cop on a case by case basis? Uh, well. See, they're all free to go get a job and work for a living instead of upholding and enforcing the unjust laws of an unjust government. And they don't get oh, their again, bad. It doesn't unless... sound like this cop does want to do that. So you, it, it seems like you're not drawing any kind of distinction at all between different cops. You're, well, you're they, only... in, in order to get their badge, they have to raise their right hand and solemnly threaten that they will, to the best <laughs> of their ability, uphold and enforce the unjust laws of an unjust government, which I, entails committing unprovoked violence against innocent people. Don't they swear an oath to, uh, to defend the Constitution? Uh, they do, but they, uh, the Constitution, I mean, defending the Constitution involves doing things like uh, enforcing unjust laws. I mean, um, uh, right. I they swear. They the swear an oath. Give me an example of, of how the Constitution does that. Well, now we all know that the Constitution is a pretty well-written document, but uh, it's been ignored by the government. And as I understand it, the police tend to swear an oath to both the Constitution and to the state. So they don't really teach the Constitution in police classes. I uh, spoke with a police officer recently who made it very clear to me that uh, there was no sort of covering the Constitution, which, of course, they are against swearing an oath to. You'd think they'd at least spend a, you know, a week or something. A half studying. day. Yeah, half a day. No, they didn't even bother spending a half an hour on the Constitution. So uh, their, their allegiance is to the state, first and foremost. You know what? I've got a great idea for a charity event. Tom Mud Wrestling, a cop of his choice. That would be awesome, and, and I know just the cop. I know just the cop who would do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, hello? That you're was, you're the, we wouldn't hang up on you, Tom? Uh, oh, yes, you would. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes, we would. You're right, we would. Thanks for the call, Tom. <laughs> 800-259-9231, and Will, thank you for the question. We okay, appreciate thanks. it. 800-259-9231. He was asking for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's so articulate. I love the, the statement. I don't mean that, the, the, but, you know, there's no such thing as a, a good red coat. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, uh, please, we don't endorse violence. Please don't use violence. Uh, against the state it's just going right. to get violence brought back down on you tenfold and don't shoot our oppressive overlords please then you'll be dead we have to figure out more creative ways we should not lower ourselves to their level okay keep we're the moral than, high ground we're better than that more on the way this is free talk live Talk Live, you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The wiki's there. Over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go and edit the wiki or just surf around. WIKI.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Talking about immigration, I mentioned that uh, something has been happening to certain farm jobs. You know the whole uh, sales point uh, from the anti-immigration zealots on the one of their stronger points, at least it sounds strong, it's based on 
bunk economics. But one of their strongest sounding points is that they're coming here and taking our jobs. As though there's this huge line of uh, white boys that are just waiting to get into the fields to uh, to pick tomatoes and stuff. Where are them tomatoes at? Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Pay me 30 cents a bushel. That's a great way to make a living. Uh, so as though there's this huge amount of Americans just waiting to get these farm jobs. Well, as it turns out, what's actually happening now that the federal government is really cracking down on businesses, because we've read story after story of businesses being raided by ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department, uh, them separating families, taking immigrants, taking them out of the country, deporting them back to Mexico or wherever it is that they came from, and ruining the business owner's uh, livelihood as well, because they, they're putting out products. Many of these are factories that are being raided at this point. They're putting out products, and their half of their staff gets arrested. So it's a mess, and it's certainly un-American, the idea that the government can just come into your business and demand to see the papers of all of your employees. That's one thing. But what are the economic consequences of this? Well, it turns out that some farmers are moving their operations out of the country. So now we're going to be outsourcing farms as a result of this immigration enforcement. According to the New York Times in Celaya, Mexico, Steve Sar. Scaroni, a farmer from California, looked across a luxuriant field of lettuce here in central Mexico and liked what he saw. Full-strength crews of Mexican farm workers with no immigration problems. Farming since he was a teenager, Mr. Scaroni, who's 50, built a $50 million business growing lettuce and broccoli in California's Imperial Valley. Relying on the hands of immigrant workers, most of them Mexicans and many probably in the United States illegally. But early last year, he began shifting part of his operation to rental, uh, rented fields in Celaya, Mexico. Now some 500 Mexicans tend his crops in Mexico. Where I bet, they I bet run, fields are pretty cheap in Mexico. I imagine they are, where they run no risk of deportation. So there's no armed gang of uh, ice thugs running through the fields, checking people's papers or anything like that. He doesn't have nothing to fear anymore now that he's moved almost, you know, he started to move his operation. And what, are, what are happening to his fields now in America? I'd, I'd imagine they're sitting there. Sitting there vacant. Mm. Nothing going on. Well, he hasn't moved his whole operation yet. He's begun to move his operation there, and I imagine that uh, if he's getting good results, he'll probably move more of it down there. He says, I'm as American red blood as it gets, but I'm tired of fighting the fight on the immigration issue. You know what? That's just it. These businessmen, they're in business to do business. Right. They're, to- not, they're not here to argue you, with you about American jobs. They're not here to argue with you about it's, well, it's our birthright as American citizens. It, they're not here to argue any of that. They just want to make money by selling products that people need. Products that the same people that complain about Mexicans buy yeah. and enjoy. They, they don't offer to pay more at the grocery store because that's what you would pay if you had a bunch of... If you want me to go out and pick fruits and vegetables, I'll be happy to do so. Forty bucks an hour. Oh, I'm not going to do it for forty bucks. Do it for more than that. Yeah, you, you're going to have to pay me 150 to get me. Um, wow. Yeah, 150. Uh, That's dollars. some pricey apples. Well, I, I mean, a year. Well, yeah, let's just say it's somebody who would work at Walmart ordinarily, and they go and they decide they want to work outside for the summer. Still, ten dollars an hour is a lot of money to pay somebody to pick vegetables. It's a yeah, lot of money. That sure would drive is. the price of food up astronomically. So this guy is starting to move his business over. A sense of crisis prevails among American farmers who rely on immigrant laborers, more so since legislation in the United States Senate failed in June and authorities announced a crackdown on employers of illegal immigrants. An increasing number of farmers have been testing the alternative of raising crops across the border, where many of the workers are, according to growers and lawmakers in the United States, 
or where many of the workers are, according to the growers and the lawmakers. Western Growers, an association representing farmers in California and Arizona, conducted an informal telephone survey of its members in the spring. Twelve large agribusinesses that acknowledged having operations in Mexico reported a total of 11,000 workers there. Uh, said Tom Nassif, the Western Growers president, it seems there's a bigger rush to Mexico and elsewhere, who said America's wo- Americans were also farming in countries in Central America. Precise statistics aren't readily available on American farming in Mexico because growers seek to maintain a low profile for their operations abroad. But one senator from California d- displayed a map on the Senate floor in July locating more than 46,000 acres that American growers are cultivating in just two Mexican states, uh, Guantana- Guan- Guanajuato and Baja California. Uh, farmers are renting the land in Mexico. They don't want us to know that, she said. She predicted that more American farmers would move to Mexico for the ready workforce and lower wages. They probably pay them less in Mexico than they pay them to pick the fruit in America. I'm sure they do. Because there the competition's probably hot and heavy for these farm jobs. Housing probably doesn't cost as much there either. They don't have to jump any fences or hop in any trucks and pay to get up here. Right. They would have been happy to keep their operations here in America had they been allowed to operate undisturbed by this intrusive, oppressive federal government. But this is what happens. It happens in the it happens in the farming industry. It happens in the manufacturing industry. It happens in telephone, uh, you know, in telephone uh, support. A- anything that you can take and move outside of this country that the government has decided to sort of crack down on and increase regulations on and increase taxes on and increase, uh, you know, all their absurd rules on. You know what? Screw it. Why should I bother doing business here in in America when I can do it across the border and not have to pay as much in rent? And not to pay as much for the employees, and I can continue bringing my products to market in America. At least they had, you know, at least they haven't gone so far as to say that's it. No more importing fruits and vegetables from around the world. All fruits and vegetables must be grown here in the United States. Of course, that would be the absurd uh, conclusion that the government would come to as it comes across this news. What's that? People are moving their businesses out of America. Oh, that's just un-American. We must crack down. We must prevent all fruits and veggies from coming here. It all must be grown here from now on. You want to talk about increasing the prices of uh, the produce. You know, Whoa. And that's real live isolationism. Uh, often I'm accused of being an isolationist simply by suggesting that we should bring the troops home from mm. the 131 nations that we're in. That's right. But, and that's not isolationism. No, oh. that's, you know, it's, it's just bringing the troops. It's it's what every other country is doing. That's all. <laughs> isolationism is when you when you want to have everyone buy products from your country and you uh, you slap tariffs on imported goods right. and you th- that's isolationism uh, trading with everybody is not isolationism it's getting our troops out and stop ticking people off around the world that's that's another story and that's what we're talking about here exactly right uh, in the past some Americans have planted south of border to escape spiraling land prices and to ensure year-round deliveries of crops they can produce only seasonally in the United States but in the last three years Mr. Nassif and other growers said labor uh, labor uncertainties have become a major reason why more farmers have begun shifting to Mexico while there are benefits for Mexico as American farmers bring the latest technology and techniques to the rich soil of its northern regions American farm state economists say that thousands of middle-class jobs supporting agriculture are being lost in the United States. Well, boo flippin' who? This is what you get. You want to increase regulations? You want to make it more difficult to do business in America? They'll just take their business somewhere else. True. 1-800-259-9231. What do all you immigration control zealots think about this, huh? How do you feel about this? This is Free Talk Live. I'd love to hear from you. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, including updates. Get on the list. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Send out an update this week, in fact, announcing our new auction. Auctioning off the second banner on the website. It's the second banner from the top. You'll get it for an entire month if you are the top bidder. And all you have to do to bid is go to auction.freetalklive.com. Currently, the auction is sitting at all of $17.50. Now, that's the highest available position. The person who has the top isn't, isn't letting go. Is that correct? The person who has the top is locked in. Sakel CIA. That's correct. Okay. And they're not going anywhere, people. Sakel's going to be there. So, uh... This is the highest position you're going to be able to get. Don't wait around. Right. So uh, so place your bid. There's only like four days left on this thing. Uh, auction.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles. Within the GOP, visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. Talk to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys, I'm calling you from the floor of the uh, Republican debate in uh, uh, Durham, New Hampshire. That's pretty exciting. Nice. Uh, our man on the inside, Dave, I know that uh, you were out there early, early today, and so you've probably seen a lot. What uh, What's the recap so far? Tell you what, it was a very productive day. I made Fox News Channel. looks like I you know, made the Concord Monitor and a couple other papers. I've kind of lost track. Wow. Uh, but just, you know, uh, standing out there with a sign and a gadget flag and a V-mask. Now, were you interviewed by Fox News or just shot by them in regards oh, to no, video? Oh, no, I just ran up behind the reporter. They <laughs> <laughs> were doing a live shot and held around Paul sign. We were nice. way in the background. We weren't disruptive or anything. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, I heard they didn't like it. <laughs> of course they didn't. Poor babies. So what else is going yeah. on? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, How big's the boy, crowd? What are the what are the uh, you know percentage of Ron Paul supporters versus the other guys? I didn't make any attempt to count today, but it looked like uh, you know a rough repeat of the last one at St. Anselm's in, in Manchester. Uh, they did seem to be. It did seem like the Ron Paul people made up maybe a third of the general all the different supporters put together, but I, I'm not sure. Not too shabby. So, what else do you have to share with us, Dave? Uh, well, it looks like there's about 20,000 people inside the arena right now. Maybe I'm overestimating. I don't really know how to count large crowds. Maybe yeah. it's more like 15,000, actually. Okay. And uh, so Dr. Paul will be on, I guess, pretty shortly. I think they closed the doors just a few minutes ago, or at least they were supposed to. And we'll just see how he does. But I definitely, it seemed like we were getting a lot of positive response from people walking past uh, and seeing the Ron Paul sign. Great. So even the people that weren't overtly in support of Ron Paul, as far as they weren't wearing T-shirts and signs and that sort of, or holding signs, they were saying positive things to you. That that was the impression I got. Was a positive response for the most part. Good deal. And now you're on the inside. The uh, debate, I guess, starts at nine o'clock Eastern time tonight. And of course. I don't know. Uh, I would never really recommend watching these things because what is there going to be nine or was it nine people in the, this debate? 
Is that how many? I don't know. It, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight podiums, it looks like. Oh, okay. And, oh, the other thing is when you come to these, you've got to scream for Ron Paul. You can't just clap. You must scream or whistle. Okay, that's, uh, that's important advice. And, Dave, let us know how it goes, and thanks for the call, man. We, we appreciate it. And thanks for being out there. I know that he left a message on the Porcupine 411 service this morning, I think. It was around 11 o'clock. So he has been out there all day long promoting Ron Paul at uh, the University of New Hampshire, and that's great. That's the kind of dedication we have here in New Hampshire for uh, Ron we Paul. Just, we just have the, um, the most amazing activists. I mean, whether or not they're working for Ron Paul or they're doing something else entirely, uh, the, the dedication... The activism is unsurpassed here in New Hampshire. If you want the best of the best as far as activism is concerned, you need to move to uh, to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Anyway, uh, 800-259-9231. So I was going to say is I don't recommend anybody bother watching the debate because there's eight people up on stage. It used to be ten. Now I guess a couple guys have dropped out. And I saw a picture on uh, Drudge, the Drudge Report today of uh, Brownback. I guess he's one of the Republicans. He came to some uh, public forum that they'd set up for him at uh, St. Anselm's College here in New Hampshire, and the picture was taken from the stage, so you could see the Republican guy talking to the crowd. The crowd consisted of uh, three to four people. Oh, my. Can you imagine how you'd feel if you showed up for a big big to-do, a big event that was promoted, and people were supposedly knew that you were coming to talk to them, and like three people showed up? I admire him for trying. Your chances of winning don't sound good. No. So anyway, uh, you have to listen to these other jackballs uh, talk, spout off their big government nonsense uh, for an hour and a half or however long it is, and then you only get treated to Ron Paul every so often because they, in the past, the past debates, they haven't even let him answer all the questions. When they go from candidate to candidate, they'll just bounce over Ron Paul. Well, because that's how they are. The, uh, yeah, the, the idea is is that uh, they they base the the candidates' popularity on phone polls, mm. and that's how much time they're going to give them on air. At least that's what ABC did. Yeah, a bunch of crap. Yeah. Anyway, so the more people drop God out... God knows Americans wouldn't wouldn't want to hear about candidates that they, uh, you know, they haven't heard of before. Exactly. Uh, please stop making decisions for us, news people. We'll make our own decisions. Let them all have a say. Uh, and then they're going to, you know, more going to drop out. That brownback guy, I'm sure he's not going to last much longer with three people coming to his meetings. Uh, they're going to drop out, and that means Ron Paul's inevitably going to have to get more face time. So, all in good time. We'll, we'll be patient. In the meantime, we'll go to the phones. Dr. Carlos in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live, Carlos. Hi, guys. I, um, I wanted to bring, something, bring up the subject of uh, that Circuit City issue the other day. Yes, uh, the issue about not just Circuit City, but uh, electronic specialty stores checking receipts of customers on the way out the door. A lot of people get very upset about it. I think that they, uh, they're making much ado about nothing. In fact, I think that uh, consumers should be pleased that these companies are checking receipts at the door because it keeps prices low and it helps deter theft, and that's something that uh, I think we all want. Well, I'm, I'm one of the jerks that won't show his receipt, and um, I'll tell you why, and, and I also have... Uh, proof that it doesn't um, deter theft. Okay. Um, I, I I don't get upset about it. I in fact that you how you read the letter was the guy said no thank you, and that's what I've always said. And mostly for me it's inconvenience. Um, I, it happens a lot at Fry's Electronics, which I have to go to for my job at least weekly, and I don't want to stand in line for a long time, and then go stand in line to get out of the store again because there's usually a, a bunch of people waiting there to show the receipt. Hmm. I've never seen that ever in any store that checks receipts. Uh, it's it, it's a predominantly at Fry's, and I've, I haven't run into the line at Best Buy or Circuit City because they're just not as busy. Hmm. 
Okay. I'm not familiar with this place you're talking about, but I'll take your word for it. It's mostly a Western thing. It's a really large electronic store. Okay. And um, but with Circuit City and Best Buy, they do it randomly, and they, uh, I believe, they profile because just what, what I've seen the people that they stop, and when I've been stopped, when I'm not um, well dressed, let's say. So what if they do it? Uh, so what if I've they been profile? stopped? And, I've been stopped and asked um, while in a suit. Uh, and that's and I'm not saying it, it's always that way. It just seems like it is. Okay. But I, we do have the right to say no, thank you. And we didn't sign an agreement, that, say, uh, Sam's Club. I signed an agreement saying they can check my receipt, and mm-hmm. I gladly give it to them. But when I walk into Circuit City, I don't know if I'm going to get asked that time or not, and I haven't, I haven't agreed to, to do that. And don't that you think to some extent, they... since you know that Circuit City checks bags randomly, that you are um, agreeing to be randomly checked? Um, I, I, I really don't see it that way. Uh, if, if it happens one out of... 20, 50 times, um, I guess it's just one of those those risks. And because so far I've said no thank you and they just step away and let me walk out, my assumption is that's part of the, the agreement is they're going to ask, I'm going to say no thank you, and they're going to go on about their business. Well, there wasn't ever an explicit agreement, Mark. You never did actually sign anything, nor was there any signage going on the way into the building. So I understand your position, um, So, I, I, and I see where you're coming from, but you said you have evidence that this uh, checking policy doesn't actually do anything? Yeah, in two ways. All right, I want you to explain it here in a moment. Hang on. 800-259-9231, because I find that hard to believe. I, uh, I, You know, having three and a half years working in the retail field... And working fairly closely with loss control, I, I find that hard to believe. And uh, we'll talk about it with Carlos here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Wallbound's on the way. Wants to talk about landlords. You can bring up whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The place to go. The features for free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then you should go and shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. I mean, you've got to do the shopping anyway. To live life, you have to buy stuff. And uh, in order to buy stuff, you usually have to go to the store and parking parking lots. Somebody's going to clip your car, and you know you'll don't forget having your bag checked for uh, against your receipt. There's that too. Um, and so there's all kinds of reasons to just. Go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. There's 41 categories. You can buy virtually anything that you're looking for, even used items. We'll get a percentage if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go back to Carlos in Arizona. Uh, Carlos, you are about to tell us why you believe that you have evidence that the policy of checking people's receipts at the front door that you see in many specialty electronics retailers like your Best Buy, Circuit City, or Fry's, uh, that you don't think that has any sort of deterrent effect on theft. Yeah, and there's there's two ways that I've seen that. Um, one is uh, just social engineering because I'm I'm interested in how people react, and I'm constantly looking to monkey with whatever system is put in place, whether it's legal or, or at a store. Um, I, I've watched and I've and I've purposely given them. Uh, for example, I'll buy things personally and for my company on separate receipts. I'll hand them one receipt. They'll kind of look off, um, check off the receipt, and that's it. 
Right. Meanwhile, I have hundreds so, of dollars of other stuff that they they didn't see. Right. You've and got a bunch of stuff in there and, and two different receipts, and so they're just looking at the receipt. It could be written in Chinese. They wouldn't know the difference. Right. It's very exactly. clear. It's very clear that they aren't, ver- you know, they're not very detailed checking anybody that walks through. So I think that uh, if they were to take the time to do that, then, yes, you would have lines uh, at the, the front door as people were trying to leave far more often than you, uh, than you do today. Uh, but what's your second point? Well, the second point is I've worked, I work in IT, and I used to specialize in setting up store security, um, just terminal for um, integrated systems, and security was part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, one point you guys made was about photographing people, and there were are plenty of systems out there that photograph both the cashier and the person when they do the transaction. Excellent. And the other part is I got to work with a lot of these loss control people and put cameras where they wanted to put them mm-hmm. and really see what they are looking for. And I, I just never got a sense from them that any of this was effective they really uh, find that the, the smart thief knows that he could just take off running. Okay, what you um, have to understand here, Carlos, is you're confusing the professionals with the amateurs. And well, in the right. world with, uh, with professional thieves, then, you know, the professional thief sees all these things as a challenge. You know, he, he wants to overcome uh, their security systems. He's not afraid. He's not deterred by them. And, you know, he will do the research necessary into the security systems to figure out how to defeat them and that sort of thing. Uh, when you're dealing with professional thieves, it really doesn't matter how much security you put up. It's only a matter of time and effort to break through it. But as far as your average thief is concerned, you know, the seething crowd crackhead who's so we talked about uh, last night the crackhead who's you know wants to get high so bad he's willing to go and you know steal some stuff from the local store in order to bring it to the dealer so he can get another hit of crack these are not the professionals uh, these no. are the ones who will see these sorts of uh, things like the people at the door checking like the cameras and that will deter them from stealing from that store it won't deter them from stealing they'll just go to Kmart or some other place with less tight security and they'll uh, they'll attempt their shoplifting from there. So I think that, you know, it, it does deter theft. If it didn't, they wouldn't be doing it. They've obviously studied it. They found that it's effective. Does it does it deter the professionals? No. But does it deter the uh, the amateurs? You better believe it. It may some of them, but remember that they still can't detain you and accuse you of theft until you've gone outside. And that so is they're correct. Doing this, they're doing this in, indoors, and I, I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of effective rate they're seeing. Um, but the, the big thing that I found, like I said, if they were going to miss most of the products that I, that I bought because they don't know what they are, they're all electronic products, mm-hmm. what's the point? The point is, uh, is it's appearances, that, and that's what the point is. It's not to actually inspect your receipts, unless, of course, they do suspect you of something, in which case they might take a little bit of extra time with you. But the point is to have someone at the door is the deterrent factor. To have someone who's at the door, in the case of Best Buy, hovering over you know, the security cameras, flipping through cameras and watching people, uh, it, it reminds people that security is present, that stealing from this store is not going to be as easy from stealing from a store without the man standing up front, and it's just that extra layer of security that they've decided is necessary. So that's the point. And Carlos, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I just kind of wanted to ask Carlos um, if, you know, he goes to Fry's, which apparently does do this checking more so than the rest of the stores, because Fry's has the lowest price. Well, um, the margin on electronics is very small. Does he like those low prices? The One of the reasons they're able to give lower prices than everybody else is... 
because they check at the door. Right. We read an email last night from a Best Buy employee who was talking about this whole situation. He said that if they didn't have the security systems that they do, they might lose $5 million a year in products. Instead, they only lose $120,000 a year. Now, I don't know if he was actually quoting Pro- real numbers. Probably most of that, most of that is uh, employees. That may have been speculative. I don't know. But nonetheless... There's a reason for this. Big corporations that have billions of dollars on the line, uh, major money invested, they don't they don't go about this lightly. You know, they don't just sit around the board table and say, hey, "How can we screw put, with our customers?" Right? Let's put somebody up front and harass our customers, and then that might save us some money. No, what they do is they have test stores, and they take the test stores, and the test stores have been running a certain level of loss, a certain amount of shrinkage, as they call it in the business. And uh, you know, they look at those numbers; are very hard, hard numbers. You know, because they have inventory on every single item on the shelves. And so, when you go and you do inventory, and the numbers don't match up, you know, you've lost some items and so it's very easy to determine how much you've lost so they look at the numbers before the new security apparatus is is implemented and then they look at the numbers a few months after the new security apparatus is implemented they compare the two and they determine that this works and they probably also interview customers as well because that's an important factor it is a bit of an inconvenience but is it enough of an inconvenience to send uh, to, for the customers to take their business elsewhere in enough of an amount to make a significant difference like does the amount of money that they would lose from shrinkage equal the amount of money that they would lose from customers not coming back you know they they factor all this stuff in they sure. look at these numbers and you know it, it, a lot of it is is delivery because if you have somebody checking receipts who's kind of gruff or accusatory right. it's not good you've got to have somebody who's friendly who can, who can you don't want much, a bouncer yeah you don't want a bouncer exactly you want somebody friendly and personable who can just ask for it in a nice way and there's no offense personally when people ask me for it i say oh wow you know this, there's a lot of expensive stuff in the store i can see why they asked me for that and Absolutely. If, and they're not government employees. They're, they're, it's a private business trying to protect their, their inventory. Yeah, you'd be amazed at uh, a couple of the calls we got last night. One guy was suggesting that uh, this was this was part of the conditioning process. They're trying to condition you to uh, be subservient to authority. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, wait, these aren't authorities. They're the guys at the door at the Best Buy. They're not an authority figure. It's their property. Right. You're on their property. You play by their rules. And if you don't want to play by their rules, then they should reserve the right to tell you, don't come back. You got it. Yes, you can leave. We don't. We can't check your receipt. We can't force you to give your receipt over to us because you did buy the products. But if you don't want to do it, then we'd rather you not come back. 1-800-259-9231. And I feel exactly the same way as you, Wayne. If that you know, and it's always I've always encountered a friendly guy. I'm sure there are some stores that make the mistake of putting a bouncer up there and intimidating people. But uh, I've always encountered somebody with a smile on his face. He looked friendly. He just wanted to see my receipt, and I feel the exact same way. Please look at my receipt. I have no problem with this. It's keeping prices low. It's keeping the thieves out of the store. That's great. You I, know, I, used, great. I used to know this old Aikido master, and we used to go to different places socially. Uh, and he he would say, "Watch this," and he would he would just cut through this big crowd, and he would smile at everybody and and laugh and be real giddy, and nobody would even be offended that he was cutting right through, uh, right through the the crowd. But then do it with with without so a like smile. go up front of the stage. Yeah, or something yeah. He like would that? just do it as an experiment. He would show us how he would just go right through there and just smile at everybody and laugh, and every, nobody would say anything. Awesome. They just let him through there. But if he didn't if he didn't do that, then of course people would be offended that he was cutting. Sure. And, and, uh, we were here offensive. first. Yeah, right. we were here first. It depends on the look on your face, and it really does yeah. in a lot of instances in life. 
1-800-259-9231. Let's go to Wallbound in North Carolina. Wallbound, you're on Free Talk Live. What's up, Mark? Hey. Wayne. Hey, guys. Ian. Hey, dude. What's on your mind? Uh, well, it's kind of like property issues and renter's rights. Okay. Here in North Carolina, you have no right. As far as renters' rights, that is. Wow, I wish that was. I wish it was that way up here in uh, New Hampshire. They're, I think renters' rights is just total crap. Mm, I don't, but hey, that's we're, your opinion. We're going to get into it then, Walter. <laughs> Hang oh, yeah, on. All right. We'll bring you back after the news. We'll talk about landlords versus renters' rights because, as a landlord, I don't like the idea of renters' rights very much. And Mark, I'm you're a landlord as well. I'm sure you'll chime in here. Well, renters have the rights they contract for. Yeah, but not with the laws around that give them extra benefits. We'll talk about that and how really unfair it is. Hour three is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching in hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Wallbound in North Carolina. Wallbound, we just barely had time to even start talking to you, so I wanted to make sure we gave you a fair shake. Uh, You were calling in about landlords. What about them? All right, here's a scenario we got going on. Everybody in this trailer park owns their own home. Okay. okay. And he rents the lots. Right. That's fine. So they own they, the they own the, uh, the mobile home. Yeah. Yeah, the mobile homes. And I he owns the uh, little square of concrete that it sits it. on. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. He's took the place over, and a lot of us have been here like 11 years, 10 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of us only have steps. Some of us have decks. You know scenario going on there's this one one woman in this park she can't afford really to even really stay in the park to be honest with you i mean she's busts her butt getting two jobs two kids you know the scenario Mm -hmm. he's come up and he's told her now remember we have no rights either build the deck or be evicted now so she she has to build a deck um that's part of the deck okay or she is forced to be evicted. So, so that would essentially improve upon his property. Um, Correct. She would benefit from that. If she were Correct. to even leave after that, he'd get to keep the deck, and she'd have to, to leave. Well, I don't right. think that, um, you know, for one, she didn't contract with him to, uh, you know, have to do so. So that, that seems... It seems unfair. He'd be violating his um, lease. He's not allowed to kick somebody out, in, in my opinion, um, if they haven't violated the lease, and it's not on the lease. Or is well, it? <laughs> that's just it, because he has just took the park over. He's not giving anybody any leases. He's making demands. I've done been evicted once and got out of it, more or less. But that's a different story. Well, how is it that he, you don't have a lease? I mean, what is he doing, letting the lease expire and sort of coming around monthly and collecting? That's exactly what he's done. Okay. So he took the park over six months ago. Nobody in this park has a contracted lease at all, period. It's a month-to-month basis until he gets the park like he wants it. Nobody's getting a lease. You know what I'm saying? And it, to me personally, it doesn't matter. All right, I, I had to repair my deck. I built a deck 11 years ago. I had to make repairs to it. I was going to make repairs to it either this fall anyway. Didn't mm-hmm. bother me. But here's the thing: she's only had steps. That's all she's got. Like five little steps going up into her trailer. 
and he's wanting her to spend anywhere between six and eleven hundred dollars on two decks, one for her front and one for her back. Now, I got into a situation to where I was told by the officers who come out to my home that we have no rights. My property that is in his yard, he has the right to remove at any time he feels that he wants to. It's his property, and I'm legally only responsible for the land that my trailer actually sits on. Mm-hmm. All right, here's my scenario. I feel that if he owns the land and he wants a deck, he should have to build it. He should. I agree with you on that. So well, um, I'm with you. the court. Yeah, I mean, if it's worth it. I mean, are there other just aren't there some other trailer parks you can just move to? Well, you're talking about uprooting some homes that can't even go in parts anymore because they're over the 10-year limit. Mm-hmm. So like my trailer, even though it's a $26,000 mobile home and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, it can't be moved into a trailer park. It has to be moved either out, off of this, out of this park into private land mm-hmm. of your own or you lose the trailer. Is that a law? Is I've, that a Virginia law? I've sort law? of wondered about that because um, I don't know what it costs to, uh, to to rent a lot in a trailer park, but I imagine 200. it's $200 a month? An average of $200 per lot. Oh, that's that's and pretty that's inexpensive. no expenses, no bills, no trash pickup. You pay for all that yourself. But what's a lot costs in town or just outside of town or something like that? It would seem like it would be cost-advantageous um, when you're talking about as long as you've been there to have owned your own land at that point. Well, yeah, now, now I agree that in the 10 years that I've been here and paying out the lot rent, I probably could have bought a half acre land. Yeah. You know, but I just, just I don't, I'm planning to move to New Hampshire in the next year and a half, so Excellent. it doesn't matter to me. Very you good. know, I'm just, I'm doing home repairs now, you know, just to, to like put new carpet stuff down to when I move, I sell my home. Now, Mark, right. most of the people when they're moving into the trailer park for the first time, they aren't thinking that way. You know, they aren't thinking about, well, why don't I just go out and get myself my own land? They don't think that. I mean, the trailer park, you get the water hookup, you get the hookups that you need, you come in, you plug in, and you you go. Um, so yep. you pay for that convenience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you that, like but you also, but you also have to deal with go, go it. What's that? You know, I said, if you're like me, when I first moved in here and had a kid on the way and with facing possible jail time, you just don't do that. Yeah. You know, you, you do what you do. And I've just seen go. some communities in the South, especially, where lots are just incredibly cheap. Um, you know, you can get one for 600 bucks, and, of course, you've got to pay to get the power out there and the water out there and the sewer out there. And you have to, yeah. And that's, it's, and that's like a I lot. Say, it's a lot cheaper to just rent than it is to and if you don't have a credit. tanks, make sure the land perks. Right. Uh, a lot of the, codes, a lot of the people in uh, trailer parks, they don't have great credit, Mark. So, I mean, going out and buying a piece of property would require being able to get a loan because they probably don't have the cash in the bank. And, Otherwise, they would uh, do that sort of well, thing. Well, you're not talking about trailer park, park trash now. What We're do you mean talking about talk? people who own their own homes. Right. Okay. We're not talking about somebody who's paying three or $400 a rent and I gotcha. they barely, you know, barely make it like that. Uh, now, like I say, this one particular lady, she's busting her butt and she's by the time her bills are paid and everything, she just barely has enough to cover the lot rent. You know, it's sad. It, I mean, the, you know, there's there are some man some landlords that are better than others. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. Uh, the, the concept of renters' rights. When I think of renters' rights, I think of absurd rules like we have here in New Hampshire that says that I, as a landlord, cannot charge last month's rent up front. There's just a flat rule across the board that you can't do that in New Hampshire. But you can charge whatever you want for security. <laughs> you can, but whatever uh, the market will bear is what you can charge, obviously. Well, I don't have a problem paying last month's rent up front. I mean, especially if you're going to be renting the home or something like that, I would expect that as at least a down payment. Right, you but know, that's one of the things. You tear up my walls or something, I yeah. got $500 
to repair it. Right, but we uh, don't get that in New Hampshire because of well, the law. Man, I, I feel for you on yeah. that end because I've ran into the same situation. I've owned trailers myself and had to rent them out, and, and I know what it goes to when you tear out the walls and had to come back in with about 80 plywood, oh, 80, 80 pieces of sheetrock and had to redo everything yeah. in stucco. Hey, just, hey, Wallbound, have you ever seen Trailer Park Boys? I don't think I have. If you got broadband internet access, you should go poke around on uh, Google Video for Trailer right. Park Boys. It's hilarious. I'm sure All you'll uh, you'll well, be able I like to relate. Your, uh, uh, Zeitgeist uh, that you recommended on there about like three or four weeks ago. Yeah, I like some things about it. Some things is just run of the mill conspiracy stuff. But uh, well, the only only part I was interested in was the first part anyway. How'd you <laughs> feel about it? Uh. Well, I, I look at it like this. I'm a Christian man, mm-hmm. and I believe in God, and I, and I believe in Jesus Christ. And what I got out of it was, you know, it's the same story over and over and over and over and over. And the way I looked at it from a Christian point of view is, okay, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Astrological, here comes the three stars, three wise men. There's the North Star, it says Bethlehem. But the, what I got out of it was, it's the same scenario, you know, with Christ dying on the cross and everything, and then the astrological rising, rising on the third day, I, I think personally that the reason it's like that is because everybody has been told through generation to generation this is what's going to happen. Then he came, and nobody believed it. And that's my opinion on Thanks it. Thanks for but, the analysis, hey, Walbound. You know, Appreciate I, it. I have a quick uh, question for him. What oh, stopped, I, I what, don't know if he's there still, but you might okay. be. Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay, here. I was going to say, what's stopping you and a bunch of your friends from getting together, getting some lumber together, and building her a couple of decks? Well, see, that's, that's the scenario. I got, I'm not worried about it. She's not going to be evicted if I have anything to do about it. You know, I, I, I got enough wood up underneath my porch. I can build her a nice set of steps. There you so go. He's, he's, he's wanting to go one step further. He said, okay, I understand you don't have the money. I'll build it for you. But oh, then he wants to tack on another $150 a month till it's paid off. Mm-hmm. You're talking about 15, 16 months, you're going to have to pay like $350 lot rent. Or he might want some special favors. No, he won't get them. <laughs> <laughs> he thanks. won't get them. Well, Bob, thanks, for the, for, thanks for the call, man. And good luck getting to New Hampshire. We hope to see you here soon. Thanks, dude. 800-259-9231. I think he was pointing out that it's just a jerk. I mean, the landlord's just a jerk and giving us examples of that. And you know, I feel I feel bad in those particular situations, uh, especially where the law might happen to back the landlord up. But I feel equally bad where the law backs bad ranters up, like we have here in New. But Hampshire. try to imagine writing a law that would uh, w- would cover this instance. I mean, you cannot add, you know, for sure renters to add on anything afterwards, and if you do, it's bad. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine how a politician would write up this law. It would be almost specifically for this instance. That's and the then, problem with laws is that we have too many damn laws with all these specifics in it and uh, it's insane. Nobody could possibly know what they all are. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. If you have a renting hell story, share it with us. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version, dial-up version of the show, uh, two sizes to fit virtually any internet connection, and they're free. Head over to freetalklive.com. And if you 
or perhaps somebody you know needs a primer on some of the subjects we talk about here on Free Talk Live, you should check out the Liberty Radio Underground. It's an elementary introduction to libertarianism, and each show concisely handles a single topic in under 10 minutes. It's great for someone new to liberty. Go to libertyradiounderground.com today and grab an episode uh, episode for free. That's libertyradiounderground.com. Just a few more thoughts on the concepts of uh, renter's rights, as they sometimes are called, or landlord's rights, which, you know, why can't we just have the right to contract and have the government stay the hell out of it? That's um, really what I would like to see. And you, you, t- to some extent, what Wallbound was bringing up is a problem created by the government that then the government comes in and tries to, to uh, fix, which is, you know, they, they make it so that a person can't buy their own land. They, uh, sure, you know, I can buy my own land. I'll go out and buy some land. Sure, if your lot is exact, you know, the 80 feet that it has to be in the city by 100 feet that it has to be. Um, mm. It already has water hookups to it, which is unlikely. Has power hookups to it, which um, probably the power company will do that for for you for free. But it has to have the proper sewer and all those other things. Every time you deal with the government, it's an incredible sum of money. Mm. You get sewer put in, probably five thousand dollars for the hookup. Just the hookup. That's what you have to be able to pay. Otherwise, and you can't, you can't, uh, you know, dig a hole like they did in the old days and have an outhouse. No. Until you can afford that five thousand, you have to have it immediately. And this is how the government has created the problem. Do you understand? If I have ten, ten acres, say, out in the, you know, out in the county someplace, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not in the city, I can't say to you, Ian, who, you know, you've got a small amount of money, you'd you'd like to, you'd prefer to own your own trailer rather than having it in a trailer park. I can't say okay. I'm gonna we're gonna put four stakes in the ground and make a little rectangle here. It's about three times the size of a a mobile home. Give you a little room around your mobile home, and we'll we'll stick a mobile home on it, and that'll be eight hundred dollars. Why can't you do that? Well, because they have to draw the line. The the county has to draw the lines. It has to be a designated uh, lot lot by the county. And if it isn't, and what's that mean? I mean, what do you have to do to get them to draw those lines? Uh, I, it, what you sort know, of a process? You have to uh, you have to get a site plan um, put in place, which is a survey company. Likely, it's going to cost you for something that size. Probably, they have to survey the whole ten acres to be able to cut a lot out of it like that. Um, also, the county is likely to have some rules like, well, it has to have this much frontage on the road. It has to have an egress from here. It has to have a separate driveway. Da, da, mm. da, 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 da. You know, their their whole litany of lists. And I'm I'm. Right. I'm talking about dealing with uh, an easy county to deal with, not even a hard one. And then you're subject to their approval, even after you've gone and gotten the survey and done all the things they want you to do. They can still say, "Hmm, no. Survey's five grand, um, and you propose to them to cut this little piece off. God knows how many months this takes, by the way. Right. You know, in the old days, I could say, all right, from here to here to here to here, that's yours, $800, let's go. Now, I'd be smart in that case to go and get, you know, title insurance or something like that to have somebody oversee that transaction. Absolutely. But yes, you could do that. You could have a real estate attorney. You could do any of those things. Right. But the problem is, is that they don't allow people to contract amongst themselves. Right. They get involved. They have to get their, they have to get. Money's changing hands, Mark. They have to get paid every step of the way. And the thing is, the money that changes hands, I'm selling you the lot for $800. By the time you're done, every Everything you're going to peel off to the government is probably going to be ten grand for that little tiny lot mm. to put your trailer on. Yep, and so that's that puts it out ludicrous. of the, it puts it out of the reach of the average person. And so yep. the government has created the problems. Most of those fees are going to go to the government, whether it's their water that they control, you know, whether it's their sewer, whether it's the rule that they have for septic tanks, mm. uh, because they've got some. You know, how many bedrooms do you got in this uh, trailer of yours? Three. Yeah, three. Sure, three. Okay, you got three bedrooms. Well, their rule is that you that there's two adults sleeping in every bed, bedroom 
as though you're, I don't know, a commune or something like yeah. that. Wow. Um, just because you want to have a room for yourself, a room for your kid, and a room for your uh, mom when she comes to visit, now you've got six, uh, you have to have, you know, have to have septic, septic for, for six, six adults. That's nuts. So you have to put a 1,500-gallon septic tank in there, have a leach field of uh, 40 by 80. Wait, a leach field of 40 by 80? I don't even need that kind of room for my trailer. Mm. On one hand, I think you don't want to do something stupid that's going to pollute your neighbor's property. But I think they over-engineer a lot of this stuff uh, just to be safe so they can they can uh, rule over you. Well, Mark was, was recently looking into some properties in the area, and uh, he was dealing with one of the governments, and they pretty much told you to your face that, well, we do all this to keep the riffraff out, right? Basically, they did say that, that they have extra rules so that... Uh you know, more or less, people will go elsewhere. They'll they'll live in one of the other towns around there. We don't want you poor people around here. Well, the problem with poor people is they're more likely to have um, you know kids with uh, learning disabilities. They don't want um, them coming in there and pulling down their grade point averages and their little uh, school that they have. They don't want to have mm. to pay extra for special ed teachers. You know, they, once again, the government's created the problem, which is public government school education. Yeah, and they solve it by coming up with these rules to keep the riffraff out. Mark Isn't this ludicrous? Edge. What kind of name's that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Good old English name. You can take control. Bring up anything. Let's go to Mike in Tulsa. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I just had a couple uh, hypotheticals about how things would be like in a uh, libertarian society. Oh, boy. All right, go for it. Now, hold on. <laughs> is this a libertarian society, or is this Ian's um, you know, free market utopia where no government at all exists? Well, I guess the traditional libertarian society where government only... What provide public goods, uh, enforces contracts, and protects people from other people. Protects people's uh, life, I liberty, don't think and that in a, uh, property. I don't. Yeah, I don't think in a libertarian society, government would provide public goods. I, I don't think that is provide it. for the or something like. That. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The first one is kind of. Uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. What about the deal of uh, animal torture? Would you be able to outlaw animal torture if it was your own animal? Thinking about Michael Vick. Uh, oh, actually, no. I was just kind of. Maybe that is what sparked it, but uh, yeah, if it was your own animal, how would uh, you know? Would you be able to make a law against that? Well, Ian and I will likely agree on this subject, um, which is that you know, as as reprehensible as it is, both Ian and I own a cat. Um, Ian is a dog owner. Uh, at one point, you know, I guess you still sort of you know have paternity on over the dog. <laughs> I don't own a cat either. All right. Um, well, Ian has pets that he lives with and is uh, very good with them. How's that? And we love our animals, but the idea that animals might have rights is, you know, it, it's not true. And when you start getting... I know my kitty would tear me up if he had the op- If he was bigger right. than I was, there'd be no question about it. When you get into the arena, we the fact is we all eat animals every single day. So someone's idea of, one person's idea of torture is the next idea, um, person's idea of slaughter. And... You know, pretty soon, if you start giving uh, ground on this uh, area of torture, none of us are going to be able to eat anything but lentils. Right. So then the question becomes, who draws the lines? I mean, if indeed, and we could all agree that beating animals is an awful, terrible thing to do. In that case, I think the most appropriate thing, as far as a response is concerned, is to ostracize and out that person. Right. To identify Look, him. If I see you beating your dog with a stick in your front yard, I'm likely to say, hey, what the hell are you doing? And if I see you in the grocery store, I'm going to mention to whoever's around me, if I know them, 
hey, that guy, I saw him beating his dog with a stick. It was the, it was terrible. The thing better, was yelping, and, and I, I think he broke one of its legs. Better yet, if you own the grocery store, you can refuse to do business with that person it, as well. It's absolutely true. Now, I know you had another question, Mike, so hang on. We'll bring it back for that. 800-259-9231. So, again, if you allow someone to set the rules, the government people, if you allow them to set rules about what is and what is not appropriate as far as treatment of animals is concerned, you don't know how far it's going to go. Before you know it, some animal zealot uh, activist could get in there and say, All animals must be free to enter and leave your home at any time. You keeping them in your home is imprisonment. By the way, it's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sacral CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mr. Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. We've got a bulletin board system there with over a quarter of a million posts. Serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all discussed at bbs.freetalklive.com. It's for free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the idea of, you know, the libertarian society where the government is only around to protect your, you know, freedoms. Life, liberty, and your property. Your life, your liberty, and uh, your property, which, of course, is an extension of your life and liberty. Anyway, uh, the question at hand from Mike in Tulsa, who's back on the line with us, is, well, what about people that beat animals? What about that? And I think it's awful to uh, to beat animals. I happen to be a, a lover of uh, of dogs and cats. I I like the ones that I've had at least. And uh, if if my neighbor were beating his animals, I would ostracize that person. I would spread the word about him. Uh, I, I'd videotape it if I could and get some evidence. You know, that way it wasn't just me making allegations. And I actually had hard proof. And I'd make sure that everybody knew about it. I think that's where it should stop, though. I think if you bring the law into the situation, then you started, you know, you you're then going down a dangerous path, uh, and that uh, that opens the door to all kinds of new laws. And there really are people out there. You might have thought I was joking when we went to the break, and I suggested that somebody might want to ban you from keeping your animals in your home. There really are people out there, animal rights activists, so-called, who do not believe that animals should be kept. They do not believe that animals are property. They do not believe in the concept of pets. There are people that will, um, Buddhists won't kill bugs. At, what, what are we going to do if the Buddhists get in charge of the government and we have animal rights laws and they manage to extend it all the way to uh, cockroaches living in your house? So I say let the marketplace handle it. With that, uh, Mike in Tulsa, you had another question. Yeah, this one's a little more interesting. Uh, let's say there's someone who's dying of a disease needs a heart transplant. There's 100 guys who have a compatible heart. This guy's got $10 million, but nobody will accept the 10 He'll say he needs the heart right away or he's going to die. Mm-hmm. No one accepts the $10 million for, you know, sure death, but he finds out that they'll each, 100 of them, will accept $100,000 for the 1 in 100 chance that they will be picked. So then you, you kind of, they all enter into a contract that there's, there'll be 100 of them. They'll get the $100,000 right away. And then they'll, you know, spin a wheel, and one of them will randomly be picked, and then that person, you know, would have to give the heart, and then he would obviously die. So let's say they do that in a libertarian society, and the guy who gets picked all of a sudden decides, you know, I I don't want to do this anymore, and he runs off. Would you be able to, because in a libertarian society, the government can uh, enforce contracts, assuming that everybody entered into this knowing what they were doing, 
they were willing to take the one in 100 risk for the guaranteed $100,000, would you be able to use the government to enforce that contract against that person? It's very creative, and uh, I, of course, am against the concept of governments. So in my personal world, I would think you'd better be hiring a bounty hunter to find that yeah, person. Yeah, the same here. I don't want my government um, that far involved in contract law. Look, if you've... If you- if you've set up a you know a, a shady arrangement like this where someone has to die, I don't have any problem with you setting up the contract, and I don't have any problem with uh, you know you guys going through with it. Don't expect me, the taxpayer, to pay to enforce your contract. Right to chase somebody around the world trying to uh, to bring them to uh, you know to 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 make good on their terms. Uh, I don't think that should be the job of of government. I mean, I don't think government should be around at all, but if we are going to have a government and its job is to protect life and liberty, then that doesn't necessarily include enforcing contracts, protecting life and liberty. So let's have uh, contract insurers, let's have the contract insurers get into that business where you can buy insurance on the agreement and then the contract insurer would decide if it was worth their while to hire a bounty hunter to bring that person to justice or not. How's that? Yeah, I did have a real-world question, actually. I saved it for last. It's uh, Ian that doesn't pay federal taxes. Is that correct? That is correct. Though Mark doesn't pay federal Social Security taxes. No, they're not taxes. Well, yes, they are. Contributions. Whatever you want to say. I've never heard of anybody being put in jail for them. Okay. Okay. So I guess my question is for Ian, and that's, um, you know, I mean, I understand the, the principles and everything, but, I mean, you do take advantage of certain federal government, uh, you know, like uh, highways that you drive on on highways. Yeah, but those highways have already been paid for. But, I mean, weren't they? Well, they're still... And I pay gas taxes. And there's lots of federal taxes on gas, and that's where that money's supposed to go. So technically, I do pay federal gas taxes, and I also do pay federal cell phone taxes as well. There you go. There's your real-world answer. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's continue with Keith in Tennessee. Keith, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Keith in Tennessee. Hello, guys. You were talking about Trailer Park Boys earlier. Yeah. Too bad the show's, you know, been canceled and all, but... Well, has the show been canceled, or did it run through eight or seven successful seasons, including a feature film? Well, they're not going to bring it back, is the rumor, so that means it's canceled, I guess. But anyway, on to my point... Seven seasons is a pretty successful show. I've been going to a bunch of local liberty meetings lately. Uh Uh-huh. And so I was at the Libertarian meeting at the end of last month, and I saw a person there. He'd never been there before. So I asked him, you know, how he heard about the Libertarian Party, and he said he heard about it from Free Talk Live. It's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah, so I went on to share some stories with him, um, stories about Mark. But oh, God. But it's too risky to talk about. <laughs> I can't tell him on the air, but. Hell, yeah. And, some things, weird things happened at the Liberty Forum last year, you know. Really? I wouldn't. Well, I wasn't know. even I was talking working. about that, but I should have mentioned those too. All right, Keith. Anything else? Yeah. Also, I went to a Ron Paul meetup um, last week. It was my first one, mm-hmm. and there were a whole bunch of people there. Uh, basically, we we're just talking about our weekly sign waving, the whole paint the town Ron event mm-hmm. that's going to happen in the last weekend of September. And also, though, there were some people there that didn't seem quite libertarian. Like, there was one person, he was talking about how in his town they were shutting down the local factories and that it was the government's fault and the government should do something to fix it. Well, it is their fault in the sense that, that, uh, for one, they've made health care so expensive that a lot of factories have moved overseas to avoid the health care costs. He was blaming, like, NAFTA and stuff like that. There's a a lot of uh, sort of 
uh, isolationist. Uh, the Constitution ult- guys will ultra right kind way. of uh, folks there, and you know I'm not going to turn down their votes for Ron Paul. I'm as a matter of fact I'm not going to even engage them on the issues. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of Democrats who are going to vote for Ron Paul too because of his anti-war stance. Yep, exactly right. I mean it's not a uh, an exclusive libertarian club, but it is a, a great opportunity to maybe plant some libertarian ideas in the heads of uh, those who may not have necessarily expected to en- uh, encounter them. Thanks for the call. That's a good point, Ian. Yeah. Also. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Last month I was at um, two Warp Tour events, just basically a big rock festival, and I handed out over 300 Free Talk Live flyers that you can get on the Free Talk Live website. Excellent. And um, did a world's smallest political quiz course, and then also um, I signed up, well, along with some other people, signed up seven members for the Free State Project, so there should be some new people. Fantastic. You are an excellent activist, Keith. Keep up the good work, and thank you for the call. Speaking of doing uh, outreach at concert-type events. There's going to be the Mass Can Festival happening on September 15th in Boston, of all places. Not a place I normally would traverse, uh, but in this case, I'll make the exception, because I, I was asked nicely to uh, to participate, and the Free State Project is going to have a table. It's basically a marijuana rally. It's uh, one of the biggest ones in America. They're expecting, I think, fifty to 60,000 people at this thing. And uh, the Free State Project has had a booth there every year, and so uh, Julia and I are going to go out and man the booth for a little while. What time um, is is that? Are we going to be doing the show from there? Nope. Okay. No, it's an afternoon event on a Saturday, so that's going to be fun. Should be back in listeners of flat tire. And our uh, our friend Scotty McCall from WBNW, our Boston area affiliate, said he'd be stopping by as well. And he so is awesome. It's a great opportunity to to help promote that station because inevitably we're going to be promoting Free Talk Live at the same time. People are going to ask, yeah, where are you go? Where can I listen? Well, you can listen in Boston. On 1120 WBNW, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Uh, You know what, Mark? I I said this was our first year anniversary here in New Hampshire. So it was was a year ago today that we had finally gotten all of our equipment plugged in, and the house was sort of cleaned up, and you were living with me at that time, Mm -hmm. and... So uh, a year has gone by, and I'd like to get a little retrospective here before we, uh, before we wrap out the show. We do have only a few moments left, just enough time for your call. You make it now at 800-259-9231. Also, Larry and Eric will get to you guys as well. This is your show, and you can bring up anything. And, Wayne, you've been here, what, three years now? Something like no, that. a little over two. Two, two, two and a half, something? Yeah. So we'll get Wayne's retrospective, too. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but we can take time for you if you dial in at 800-259-9231. The Sankel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support us, then you should go and buy some stuff at the store. Go to store.freetalklive.com. Lots of great merchandise. Everything from Free Talk Live t-shirts, a variety of those, to a variety of hats and hoodies. And we've got DVD classic archive collector sets, a lighter bottle opener combo, and more. Go to store.freetalklive.com and get your Free Talk Live merchandise shopping done. That's store.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. So having completed our first year here in uh, New Hampshire as early movers to the Free State Project, Mark and myself, 
we uh, are looking back now on our first year successfully here. And, Mark, a year ago today, or maybe a couple weeks after you got here, you were kind of freaking out. You were concerned about moving up here, moving away from your friends and family, and uh, you wanted to go back home. You wanted to go back to Florida at that point. And I said, stick it out. Hold out. Give it a year. See how you feel after the first year. And uh, you said, oh, I'll give it six months. And then you gave it more than six months. And you've been here for an entire year now at this point. And looking back, uh, what have you learned? How do you feel? Well, I, I, I think that it, and New Hampshire's great. There's a lot of uh, wonderful things about it. I like, uh, I like the town I live in for its uh, sort of, I can ride a bicycle anywhere I want to go. Um, it's really cool that I don't have to use a car to get around Keene. It's got everything that one might need. And, you know, on the outskirts of the town, that's sort of where the Target and the Home Depot are. And you'd have to have take a car there. I wouldn't have to, but I would take a car there because if I'm going to buy anything at Target or Home Depot, I need a car to carry it in anywhere. Sure. So it's it's mostly a bicycle town for me, and I I really like that part. Um, as far as friends and meeting new people and and all that stuff, I really haven't met that many. Um, I've met a few, and I wouldn't call them friends. You're talking about locals. You have met a lot of Free State Project members that, uh, I mean, you don't spend a lot of time with, but should you want to, I'm sure there would be a number of them that would be willing to and and cultivate that sort of relationship. But you have a wife, and when you've got a a significant other, that takes up a lot of time. Well, when you have a significant other, you're usually looking for couples, and um, a lot of the movers uh, for the Free State Project are single guys. And so that, you know, cuts down on a certain amount of them. And also, when you have a wife, they the interests have to uh, sort of... Uh, click. Click, as far as the couple goes. Sure. And, yeah, she's got this thing against libertarians, uh, especially <laughs> libertarians that would uh, move to the Free State Project. You know, like, she thinks it's a little crazy. And um, <laughs> She did it. <laughs> right, that's the thing, you know. Well, only because she loves Mark. She's that's a libertarian, right. and she moved for the Free State Project, you know. Is she a libertarian now? Well, she's... Not really. um, she she can't she, ever since I've known her she's always come out um, libertarian on the world's smallest political quiz. Oh, that's, that's so great. So you get to decide uh, for yourself whether or not uh, you know my wife is a libertarian. That's news to me. I was not aware of that. But man. what she, what she really has um, takes issue with is perhaps people that are uh, extreme in their political beliefs. Um, you know, if right. if you're a me? legalized marijuana <laughs> kind of uh, you know uh, oh that's so extreme crazy type, then she's not going to like that. If you're a you know the the government, it's an inside job. 9-11's an inside job. She's really, you know, she doesn't want to talk to you very much. And uh, I don't want to talk to those people either. There's, there, there's some extremism inside the uh, the Free State Project. No problem with that. Um, well, know, it's just that's just a the one couple on... that we have uh, really sort of uh, clicked with is the you know the the guy's mostly out of town. So um, we don't get to go bowling or you know go to their house for dinner mm. very much. It's uh, Baron Swearingen, the, uh, the president, president of the, of the Free, Free State, State Project. Project. Right. Not a you know he's an anarcho capitalist, but not a radical. It's the weirdest weirdest thing. Do you remind <laughs> her that that uh, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice? Well, you know, it's sad that today, Wayne, that people are looking at uh, these positions and saying that's extreme. But that's just a really more of a sad commentary on how far we've fallen away from the principles of liberty in this country. The yeah. idea that advocating individual liberty is an extreme uh, is, is extreme is just absurd. Uh, and it's, socialism what, is the norm, right? What's extreme or fascism. is fascism. What's extreme are those things forcing people to uh, to participate uh, by forcing them to give money up to some centralized bureaucracy, wherein then that's then you know determined how it's going to be spent by unaccountable arbitrary bureaucrats. In other words, it's flushed down the rat hole. Yeah. Anyway, so me looking back, uh, I've, I've 
just obviously been completely satisfied with coming up here. You made a comment during the break that we came up the wrong, I mean, the wrong time as far as financially, and that's probably true. Right. I think that it would have probably been better for us with the housing market the way things were. If we would have waited a couple of years, then we could have uh, unloaded our houses and got better prices for them in Florida. But I was excited, and we made the move, and I think it was still, even though financially it may not, might have been the best move for us, it was the right thing, because I wish I'd moved two years ago like you did, Wayne. Uh, You know, when you get up here... I wish we would have moved two years ago, too. You sold your houses, then. <laughs> when you get, that's a good point. Yeah, except then you would have paid top dollar up here, though. I would have less than in Sarasota, though, that's for sure. Well, yeah, Ian, Ian bought his house completely sight unseen, which I... And I did really well, actually. Well, I got you, lucked I, out. You did, you did luck out, but I wouldn't do such a thing. I'm renting yeah. right now, and I don't think that rents have... Uh, you know, come down significantly in the last year. As a matter of fact, I'm sure they haven't. Anyway, so anyway, we, we I could have just waited. We're short on time on this discussion. But I just wanted to say that uh, I love it here in New Hampshire. The Free State Project is awesome. The activists up here are just incredible. The weather is amazing. I mean, right now in Florida, it's probably 79 degrees at night. And uh, here it's probably 60 Right now, if not, beautiful. if not colder. You can sleep with the windows open yeah. in the summer. Uh, there's nothing I'm you really... You need a jacket and it's September, okay? I'd like, to see the, I'd like to see the property taxes go down, but hey, you know, you can't win them all. That's well, something we're going to get, you know, one thing I, fight for. I, I, I see as a real advantage to, to New Hampshire in general is, I, I believe that this is all over New Hampshire, is it's a law that if the uh, city government doesn't spend all of the money from their coffers that they've collected in the last year, that they have to return it. To the taxpayer, so you don't actually need to get the millage reduced in, um, you know, your local community. All you have to do is get expenditures dropped, and I think that that's, I think that's a huge uh, advantage. Um, there are a lot of advantages. People that would be working. A lot of advantages, and there's 101 reasons at the Free State Project's website at freestateproject.org to, as to why you should consider moving mm-hmm. to New Hampshire. It's a very persuasive, great document. Wayne, looking back on your two and a half years, how do you feel about being here? I can't think of a place I'd rather live right now. Great. Short and sweet. Let's go to the phones and talk to Larry in Idaho. Larry, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Larry in Idaho going once. Larry in Idaho going twice. Let's instead try Eric in Michigan. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, fellas. What's on your mind? You said that if you saw somebody beating their dog that you'd just ostracize them. I think that's the appropriate thing to do, yes. I don't think that would happen in a free market society. <laughs> well, you think people like dog beaters? You're going to see justice done, and if there's no government to dish out that justice, for instance, by putting, uh, what's-his-face, the football player in jail, Mm -hmm. somebody's going to take it out on him with a bat. No, okay. Uh, I'm pretty certain of that. And also, have you guys noticed a lot of uh, anti-Jew sentiment in the Ron Paul supporters? I don't know about that. I I have never heard that at all, actually. We can can get back to that in a moment, but I just want to address the uh, the guy beating the uh, dog beater with a bat. I think that if indeed... It's it's certain that this person is beating his animals, and there's evidence of that, and somebody comes along and beats the guy with a bat. I think that guy would have a tough time finding anyone who cared. And in that case, so what? Let him get beaten up. All right, mm-hmm. go ahead with your point. Uh, what's this thing about the, the Jew-hating or whatever? I've been uh, you know hopping around on YouTube and on a lot of the Ron Paul videos. You see guys that are just making these really anti-Jewish comments, and it's not necessarily anti-Israel. It seems like they tie the two very closely. And so you see people saying that, you know, Jews are propagandizing the U.S. and how it's, you know, all the fault of the Jews and Ron Paul's going to take over and, you know, crush the, uh, 
uh, voice of the Jews in the government and all this stuff. And I just, uh, these guys are kind of, you know, fringe extremists. I like most of the Ron Paul supporters, but these guys kind of give me the creeps. Yeah, I've absolutely. I've never seen it. Uh, but then again, you can't, as when you're running a national campaign, you can't determine who you associate with or who decides to promote you. And so if, you know, the Aryan nation all of a sudden wants to get behind Ron Paul, then what can you do about that, you know? I mean, kind of a surprise, though. I mean, you wouldn't think they'd go for Ron Paul. You'd think they'd go for a more authoritarian candidate. Well, yeah, maybe it, maybe there are plans to try to discredit him, too. Right. That's certainly a possibility. I mean, welcome to politics. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, there are certainly candidates out there that are threatened by Ron Paul, and they that would not. I would not put it past them to create these sort of fake videos and try to make it look like these uh, racists and bigots are behind mm-hmm. Ron Paul. The entire right. leadership, dirty, dirty, dirty sport, yeah. the entire leadership of the Republican Party is is probably scared to death of Ron Paul uh, gaining power because uh, then there's no there's no room left for their views. Right. right, and you know, Ron Paul has a number of uh, prominent Jewish supporters. Walter Block is a uh, enthusiastic uh, supporter. So, you know, even though there's these anti-Zionist zealots out there, who else are they going to support? I mean, you know, who's their candidate of choice? They probably wouldn't vote. Otherwise. David Duke isn't running. <laughs> Thanks for the call, no, Eric. Killer, we, I we appreciate it, man. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one was the number. But we're out of time, so uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. It has been Ian here with you and Wayne. And Mark. Celebrating our first happy year in New Hampshire. Many more to come. And uh, hope to see you here as part of the Free State Project sooner rather than later. But make sure you move at the right time for you, okay? Freestateproject.org to learn more about that. And we'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.